Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. Today's episode is unique in that it is very timely. As I'm recording this, it is one week, probably almost to the hour, after a chapel service at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, a chapel service that was scheduled to end probably an hour, hour after it began, but actually has continued to this very moment. Now, for those of you who maybe have knowledge of history in the United States and revivals and movements, Asbury might sound familiar, and that's because 53 years ago this month, February 1st, I believe is the date, 1970, a chapel service was happening at the same campus in Kentucky, and it began to be extended as well and went for several days. And in, many people will say that was the, the beginning point for a, if you would want to call it revival or awakening in the early 70s that spread throughout the country, even to the West Coast. My guest on our podcast, my weekly interview for today is Jim Elif. And Jim, welcome back. We just had you on uh, not too many episodes ago sharing your testimony. And then also we talked about uh, church life and ecclesiology and had a delightful time talking with you. But I reached out to Jim late last night. I'm very encouraged and excited about what I'm seeing in, in social media reports about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this campus that is uh, drawing a lot of news and attention to it. Um, so much so that several people are traveling from around the country to Wilmore to experience, to observe. Some are spectators, some are participants. Jim's brother, Bill, mm-hmm. wanted to see this, and so he and his wife jumped in the car and traveled, I think he said, nine hours. I've read his blog post, read them last night. So I reached out to Jim and said, hey, would you like to come on tomorrow and talk about this? And so, Jim, welcome back to Sound of Truth podcast. And yeah. uh, let's, I'm going to just go ahead and hand the microphone over to you and tell us what's going on in terms of your understanding of what's happened on this campus. And I don't know if you got to speak with your brother or just read his blog post, but kind of give us a little update of what's going on in uh-huh. Wilmore, Kentucky. Well, sure. Uh, yeah, great to be on again, Brett. I really appreciate that. Yeah. As you said several days ago, things began to happen, and this did happen in the 70s. I was I was pretty deeply affected by the 70s experience, and I'm sure that partially covers uh, or explains my interpretation of what's happening. But yeah, Bill has been on that on that campus. He's back home now. I hope to go on Friday. Actually, if, if uh, everything works out, uh, I had planned to go earlier, but my pilot got sick. So, uh, but yes, uh, we're excited about what's happening and it's very hard not to call this a movement of the Holy Spirit Mm. Uh, that, I mean, the very thing you would want to see in your own church, repentance of sin and and, uh, adoration of God, love for the Lord, just being drawn to the Lord, uh, sort of the revelation of his glory and uh in a very measured way actually uh it's happening there there are no real crazy things happening but even if there were it wouldn't indicate necessarily that this is not of the lord sure aberrant aberrant things have always happened in in, uh revival and awakening well i would just it's hard hard for me not to call it yeah if i could interrupt you there i someone made an interesting point I, i read on social media last night of saying should some strange things occur, let's not 
assume that that's not of the Lord for, uh, there's a lot of people today oh, are so okay. critical of anything unusual, and yet you read the book of Acts, these same people would probably discount the day of Pentecost. Uh, yeah. I think that's probably right. Good point. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's always been characteristic. I've been a reader of the subject of uh, revival and used to lead what was called the center of biblical revival, really studying historic revival at Midwestern Seminary. So I've had a lot of association or thoughts about these things and reading about these things. And yeah, there's always, there's always, uh, there are always problems and issues and strange people. And, and um, that was particularly true at the end of the Great Awakening when the heat of the the heat of the wake, awakening had subdued considerably, but some people tried to carry it on, and that's mm. what Ian Murray calls revivalism. Mm-hmm. And that certainly did happen through Davenport and others in those days. And uh, so, if I could, but just, those that, those of the know knew how to take care of that and understand it. Yeah, and I think Ian Murray and I, I read his book on revival and revivalism. I think yeah. that's a, a great way to simply frame it in those terms. The difference between God sent revival and human manufactured revivalism. Yes, and there, right. there, there's a massive. I mean, there's a massive gap there. They can look somewhat there the same, is. but we want to experience true revival and outpouring of the Spirit, sovereignly sent by the Lord, rather than something that man works up in order to be excited and to mm-hmm. yeah. to yes. make something happen. That's right, yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, the enthusiastic people, there's nothing really wrong with enthusiasm that's generated by the Lord, right? Amen. I, I, I would dare say that Whit- Wesley and Whitfield were pretty enthusiastic people mm-hmm. and were making a way for the gospel that they were, that they were proclaiming. Nothing wrong with that at, at all. And wouldn't you want some people like that in your church, right? Sure. So, you know, it's, it's hard to distinguish sometimes, and uh, some of it can be known only from a distance, uh, I mean, from a distance of time. But it's very hard when you—it's very difficult at the moment to say—I mean, just to make a pronouncement that something is not of God, or I read— Recently, somebody saying the whole thing was a sham from the beginning. I find that very hard to say. Right. Um, you know, I'm sort of like Spurgeon, who said I'm very disinclined to be negative about things that are well-meaning and are doing the things that, you know, we're seeing the things we hope for <laughs> happening, uh, calling it something uh, not of God. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, with all the mixture of things that is always there and the different individuals, what might become of them, uh, I I still think uh, a a lot of good is going on right here through this concentrated, again, the heat, the warm time on their campus of some some real changes going on. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now, have you got a chance to speak to your brother since he's been back, or have you just been able to read his blog posts? Yeah, I I read his blog closed and and i have not spoken to him since he got back although that was on the list of things to do today just got back i think yesterday so we will i've had meetings all morning just now gotten through since 5 30 this morning so Hmm. i'm uh i've not been able to do that yet but i will be talking to him definitely okay so when you approach your brother and talk to him what kind of questions are you going to be asking him yeah, you know, I'm going to know things, you know, what 
really went on. I, I like to think that the word of God was proclaimed, and my understanding of everything is that that was the case. Mm-hmm. and a lot of scripture being read, but I want to hear him talk about that a little bit more with me. And that being said, again, I, I, I will say that this doesn't mean God has to do everything exactly like we prescribe. Yes. You know, exactly, at any given moment. In other words, you can't just take a slice out of <laughs> something and say, uh, this t- tells you everything about it. So, uh, yeah, I want to hear that. I want to hear how similar this is to what happened in 95 when mm-hmm. about 50 colleges were impacted. I think there were, that was definitely a move of God, but I think there were some things that were not well understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were some abuses and confession and that sort of thing. I wanted to know if those seem to have been there still. I don't think I'm hearing the, the level of that public confession going on. I, I believe in the case there at Wilmore, there they determine who can speak, and I think wisely. Uh, you know, I agree. Uh, that, yeah, there are actually some parameters on what's going on there, which some people think can't. That means it can't be of God, but actually, it can. And and there's, there's history there as well. Well, I think scripturally uh, speaking, depending on what theological camp you come from, I like how for those who believe that the Lord can give a word to someone to share to the body. I I like how some of the churches that practice that will say to the person, you need to share that word with the elders. And then the elders, Mm -hmm. two or three elders will then determine if you're allowed to then go take the microphone before the congregation actually share that. Especially especially where people are visiting. Uh, So many people are coming on the campus there uh, that it just would be chaotic to do otherwise. I think they've been very wise. If I'm understanding, I want to get more details on that. Sure. So I'm just looking for details. I think I've got the broad, the broad thing, and some of the communication we've done has helped me. But I'd like to take some more time with him, definitely, and find out much more. Yeah, Lord willing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. So want... Then I'll find out more of Friday when I go, or if, if I'm able to do that, actually. Sure. So, and I don't want to take yeah. all the time to try to describe what's going on because I, I yeah. number one, I'm this is all secondhand reports that were. We're able yep. to, but with the here's what's fascinating to me versus 1995. Now I was at Southwestern Seminary in 95, which yes. wasn't too far from Brownwood, Texas, which yes. I think was kind of the origin for that movement. Yes, sir. Uh, I would say so. And so I was actually sick. It in my, uh, if you want to call it dorm room, it, student housing at the time mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Uh, that particular revival hit our campus at Southwestern Seminary. My roommate was there yes. in chapel that day. I was homesick. He came back, reported to me. And then I think maybe the next day, I think it was still going, and I, I went, was feeling better, and actually sat in. And it was an open microphone yeah. with a long line of people coming up and confessing sins. And it it was yeah. somewhat alarming to me. And I, I, I'm, yes. I tend towards kind of maybe a cynical attitude anyway, so it, probably in a yeah. sinful way, honestly. But uh-huh. yeah. I was really concerned about the aftermath and of all that and so speaking to what you just mentioned, I think you alluded to that. Was some, you said some some yeah. abuse, abuse with confessions maybe wasn't handled well. Uh, I'm not seeing that at all out of Wilmore. I'm not seeing anything like that. Uh, yeah, I'm really not. And uh, so there are lessons maybe that were learned even from '95. And mm-hmm. again, I think that was a, a, a of God, you know. But how you handle things your theology, your understanding of the right practice and so forth affects even movements of God. They're touched by our hands and our minds 
it comes through a grid in a way, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. uh, we're yeah. So there is there are careful things that need to be done, and the old time worn uh, prescription for public confession was to confess to those you have wronged in a, to the level of those you have wronged, rather than if you have had something between you and another person, you need to go to that person. Right. You don't need to stand up before a congregation and, and confess that unless it is affected, you know, you're representing the church in some way, you know, that deserves. So, yeah, there there are things that are, have historically been in place, I think have been learned the hard way probably about public confession. I, I, I don't see that here. So far, I don't see that. I'll, I'll probe a bit more, but I, I don't think I'm going to hear that going on. Now, what will happen in other schools as these things get go around? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, we'll just see if people have the wisdom to watch out for that. And uh, again, there have always been aberrations. Sure. So, you know, yeah. So let's shift gears and go a little bit more toward the pot. We, we point out one of the the cautious things involved in these type of things, you know, uh, with the revival mm-hmm. in, in 1995, mm-hmm. maybe there were some excesses with the confession and maybe that wasn't handled well, but here's yeah. just a few things. I'd, I'd like to highlight a few things I'm seeing that I'm excited about and then ask you mm-hmm. what you're seeing as yeah. well to, to uh, add to that. I'm encouraged yeah. by what I'm seeing that this is a Christ-centered revival, it appears to be, that yes. this is not about one person or personality. A few years mm-hmm. back, I live here in Florida, came here 20 year, 22 years ago. There was a uh, perhaps a revival. I don't know for sure. I didn't go down for it. I probably could have driven down and checked it out in Lakeland, Florida, that drew a lot yes. of attention. Uh, but it seemed to be centered around one speaker specifically who yep. later had yep. some significant moral failings and, and significant yes. sin revealed. Um, I actually yep. saw I on social that. media that he was he mm-hmm. is at Wilmore. He took a picture of himself in the in the balcony there, there yesterday and a couple yep. people were like hey brother you just stay out of this you know type thing um, oh i know Absolutely. so uh not, i'm not trying to get on the negative again i'm actually trying to focus on the positive yep. i'm using some negative to contrast perhaps but this doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be centered around one particular person that's leading it or it seems to be very no. christ focused um and yep. yes it's not flashy worship leaders that are leading this the it, mm, in some cases, you mm, might mm. say the uh, the quality or the excellence of the music is, I won't want to say subpar, but yeah. it's just not professional level. Yeah. Someone's pointed out there's yeah, no smoke machines, right. no lasers, no dimming of the lights. It, there's nothing yeah. to indicate that this is a mood that was created. I like that's that. Right. Yeah, I like I the fact that this seems yeah, to be right. you know normal people, everyday people, and God's just working. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big efforts there, actually. big. Uh, uh, the leaders are... I think very well apprised of those problems of pride that can come in and all the infiltration if you just opened up the mic. So it's not, they see rightly that it's not necessarily godly to not sort of supervise on a right level what's going on, just like pastors ought to do uh, for what happens in a church. Mm -hmm. Uh, There can be, we know from the New Testament, don't we, that there can be supervised freedom. The local churches had a rather spontaneous feel to them at that time, and yet elders were responsible for managing those meetings and, you know, taking care of things and making, you know, there were there were actually rules given in First Corinthians, for instance, about how things should be done. And another thing that 
sort of supports the idea of what is happening, uh, what is wisely happening uh, with the le- leaders leading, is the awakening of 1857, the prayer revival, mm-hmm. where some people say as many as a million people were converted. But you'll be surprised if you read about that, how many parameters were put around what could be shared, what happened in those meetings, those prayer meetings. It was very very prescriptive in terms of uh, just the order mm. that things were done. So surprisingly so, but some people immediately believe something can't be of God if there's any kind of parameters. And I would say, no, that's been disproven. And uh, there is sort of a an oversight of the freedom uh, in in many places, at least. So and there's I this. That's, that's, I hope that will continue, really, especially yeah. among college stu- college students who, uh, because of experience in life, have less experience in this area, and uh, need, need people who know what they're doing there to help help take care of things. There's this so tension I, I, I for a lot of that. yeah. There's a tension for a lot of people on how much freedom versus how much order. Yeah, that, that that's right. We're we're uh, different people, you know. And some people very much like control of the situation. And uh, so I think in the Bible, we have something like supervised uh, freedom going on in the New Testament church, especially you find that in First Corinthians. And uh, there's definitely spontaneity and, and uh, a, a sense of God's spirit moving, but there are definitely parameters. and. We understand that elders have responsibility to manage the church, and that would include managing or shepherding shepherding what goes on in a congregational meeting, for instance. Mm-hmm. So same thing I think holds true here. Uh, and I think these leaders, from all appearances, again, I'll, I'll find out more, but from all appearances are doing a, a good job perhaps because of experience, mm-hmm. doing a good job of shepherding what goes on here. And I hope that continues as it, as if it does, uh, as it may move from campus to campus and church to church, if God chooses to let it go that far. So I uh, hope that will continue. Yes. My average listener is not anywhere near Wilmore, Kentucky, won't take the time to make the trip there. And that's not even necessary. Uh, I mean, no. I'd love to go up there. I've just got too many commitments here with my family and kids and everything um, at this point to not be sure. able to get away and do sure. that. But what, if you were to speak to the average American Christian who loves the Lord, is excited about what they're hearing and, and says, you know what part, Lord, can I help bring revival to my region? What would you say in response to that? Mm-hmm. Well, the Lord's not limited to uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. And, this is it's it's always uh, right for the believer to uh, look at his or her own life and and deal with things. There's such a thing as we we might use the term. Uh, I'm not sure the scripture does, but there is such a thing as personal personal revival. There is such thing as church revival. Charles Spurgeon had a period of time. These are called the revival years, which in his church, not necessarily broadly, but in his church, there were just a, a, a pretty good season of just unusual working of the Holy Spirit. Solomon Stoddard, Jonathan Edwards' father, I, I think I mentioned that. I'm not sure if I did to you, but he would be an illustration of one. Like many New England pastors, had multiple times where God just did special things, 
very special things, which seemed unexplainable. Maybe a good number of people being converted, which for a long time had been kind of dry, or at least not seeing much happen, and all of a sudden many things happen. Uh, these are seasons of church revival. I've seen that myself in a three-year period where uh, it was atmospheric in our church. I mean, it was in, in a church I, I pastored several years ago, and numbers of people were converted, and these were adults, and they all were, and we had no program mm. uh, at all about that. But just, I, I felt like we were allowed to experience a measure of a, a, some kind of visitation from God on our particular assembly. And so the Lord can do like he wants. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a never worldwide. It's always, you know, has some boundaries, but God chooses to do. And, uh, so if that's the case, then you've got you've got uh, hope for yourself of walking in a new way. You know, looking. Mm. I, I I just uh, spoke Sunday through you know Hebrews twelve one and one through four, mm-hmm. and uh, very clear things to do. Right? I mean, to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets you, and run with patience the race set before you, looking to Jesus and so forth. And well. And there's a good passage to actually do, you know, just actually do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there, God, when you draw near to the Lord, he draws near to you, he said. That's right. So I think there's great room for you to be revived and to be at a new place. And I think that's where I would go with it. And then that's catching and helpful to other people and talk about those things with other people. Uh, you get, you know, if you can... If you can encourage people to pray, I think knowing about this is helpful, but it's not the final, it's not even a necessary thing. God does surprising things, um, but uh, it is helpful to see, you know, it gives us a bit of hope, doesn't it, that yes. God can do something. And we're long removed from that in America uh, over many, many years. And there's just a lot of people who have not seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. So talking about those things can be helpful from that. And just a help us with hope that this can happen in our rather mundane church. You know, mm-hmm. we're, just, we're going on. Then also, I, I think, you know, just being grateful for the what God does in faithful years uh, of serving him in the average years. Uh, these are also works of God. If someone is converted, if someone is renewed in some way, rejoice in those things. Uh, what what is happening in in revival is that in mass. So it's just the Lord speeds up the process where many people maybe are converting, or numbers of people are clearing up sin and and some level of rebellion in their life. Uh, when that happens altogether or in mass in some way, God is renewing His church and. It, the the fervor of a of a movement of God can be quite strong, like we're seeing here in Wilmore. This is not the it, it, this is not exactly the normal church. This is what God is doing to bring the church to its normality. Uh, so, right. you know, the church, you know, is you know, or person is or family is a, is sort of slipping back from the normal walk of a Christian, a normal alacrity and following the Lord and, you know, interest in God and love to seek God, you know, and so forth. Well, then God does, can do things 
uh, that are a bit extraordinary mm-hmm. to bring us back to that correct normality that we need to have for the long haul. I love it. Thank you, Jim. That that's that was so well said. I, I love how you point out you don't have to wait on a massive outpouring of the Spirit among a lot of people in your region to experience the Spirit's power in your life right now, today. Personal revival. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers, yeah. we, we plead we plead to the Lord in that's prayer. exactly right. And so we're just thrilled to hear and that, hey, it looks like there's been an outpouring of the Spirit in a special, unique way, a surprising way. Uh, but I love how you have turned that back around and said, but you know what? It can happen in your life today, right now, individually. That's right. And that's so, right. That's well, right. Jim, thank you for being yeah. on the podcast again with us. And I look forward to, uh, I don't know if you, how much you're going to share publicly with about your experience as you go there, but safe travels to you, brother. Jim is the uh, executive director, I guess is the title. I don't know the title of Christian Communicators Worldwide. Yes. Uh-huh. The president of Christian Communicators Worldwide. That sounds like a big name, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's simple to find on the internet. I believe it's ccwtoday.org or com. O-R-G. Okay, O-R-G. dot org. Uh-huh. So you can find today.org. You can find his more about his ministry there. He's also a pastor, uh, one of the pastors at, at a church in more of a home-based church. We talked about that in our last episode with Jim. Exciting things God's yes. done through that through the years. Yep. So I uh, encourage you to look Jim, back at that uh-huh. episode if you want to learn more about that. So, Jim, thanks again. Appreciate you coming on such short notice to talk about what God's doing. Thank you, Brad. God bless you guys. All right. God bless. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.